the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Buckle up and start your engines. This is You Auto Know with Dave Stahl. With 30-plus years of automotive experience, Dave is here to educate you on everything from repairing your vehicle to the latest industry news and trends. If it's automotive, Dave covers it. It's time for You Auto Know with Dave Stahl on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome to FM 96.1 AM 1170, The Answer. This is the You Auto Know Show, and this hour is sponsored by Southwest Point of Sale. Do you own a grocery store, liquor store, retail store? Well, trust me, if you're having trouble getting employees, then you want to go with the National Cash Register Program with self-checkout for grocery stores. It takes care of all that employee issues. Go to 800-540-2149, 1-800-540-2149. They will hook you up. All right, hey, I was in the Volkswagen ID4. And I had a very interesting interview with Mark Gillis from Volkswagen. Take a listen. Well, folks, I just got out of the – actually, it's still here. It's leaving today. The uh, Volkswagen ID4. And I've got to tell you, folks, I even got Mark Gillis to get up early today so we could talk about it. Mark, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Well, you know, when we first talked about the ID4, I hadn't been in it, so I really didn't have a lot to talk about other than the fact that, you know, I was looking forward to it. But uh, then Mark, or uh, uh, Brian Armstead got one, and he says, oh, my God, you have to get it, you have to get it, you have to get it. So Mark was nice enough to loan me one for a week. And I got to tell you, and it's not because you're online with me, but out of all of the electric vehicles I've driven, you know, the Mach-E, the Audi, uh, and a whole handful of other ones. I think you really, really built an electric uh, vehicle for the community that is a winner all the way around. I was so impressed with it. Two hundred. I got 250-mile range. I know you can go all the way up to 300. But what's been the general consensus from the, from the public who's uh, gotten their hands on them? I mean, it, yeah, I actually, there's a, a, an ID4 Facebook site, which is one of these great rabbit holes you can go down and emerge three hours later, blinking for light. Um, and the people who've got them, who who get the car, really love it. And I think, you know, um, obviously early adopters of people, you know, they're going to um, be the kind of people who, who, who enthuse about it. Um, and, you know, we, we've had... Um, since the car was announced in September, we've had like 19,000 advance orders. And over time, that wavers because you get some people, you know, they get tired of waiting and throw their deposit back in and so on. But, uh, you know, at any one time, we've got a lot of people uh, in the in the line for the vehicles. And we've got a lot of advance orders for the all-wheel drive one that goes on sale um, in the fall, basically. So 
Yeah, I mean, people seem very enthused about it. And I, I think one of the key things about the vehicle is that, you know, it, I, I think we keep saying this is we're a brand who are doing EVs for the millions and not the millionaires. And that's not a, a slap for people like, you know, our, our brothers at Audi or people uh, at Tesla who've done a fantastic job of, of, you know, bringing these cars into the premium segment. But, you know, when you look at the tax credit and some of the credits you get in places like California on top of the base price, it really is priced in that sort of sweet spot where people are buying compact SUVs. And, you know, we've had some criticism from the media that, oh, it's not fast enough and all that kind of stuff. But they're comparing the car, you know, the $43,000 first edition with $53,000 Mustang Mac E's with, you know, the dual motors. And, and we've got the dual motor coming out uh, later in, in the year. And the base price of that is 43000 So, you know, end of the day, you know, we're not building um, a sports car. We're building a compact SUV. And this thing, you know, it's actually faster than pretty much all the competition. I think Motor Trend got 0 to 60 in 7.4 seconds, which is right up there for a compact SUV. And, and obviously, with all the torque you get instantly, it feels really fast off the line, like 0 to 30. So, so I think, you know, for the average person, you know, I think one of the key things about EVs is they're so convenient if you've got a home charger that it's one of those things is once you've got one, um, as long as you're not somebody who's doing massive road trips, you're not really going to go back. They're so quiet. They're so convenient to use. Um, and, you know, you sort of can feel good about yourself in terms of, you know, uh, what's happening in the environment these days as well. Well, it's like I said when we started the interview. I said you built the perfect electric vehicle for the general public. Yeah, you can buy a Corvette ZR1. Sure, you can you can you know buy vehicles that have stupid amounts of horsepower. But if somebody needs to get into an electric vehicle for whatever reason, but they would like to have as many features they could possibly get and get the best bang for their buck, I think the ID4. Now I'm in the first edition, so. I haven't been. I don't know if the powertrain or anything is much different than the than the original one, but it really doesn't make any difference. It's not a race car. Can it go fast? Yes. Can it corner well? Yes. Uh, I let my wife uh, take it around the block, and she was absolutely blown away. First thing she did, whipped out the tape measure to see if dog crates would fit in the back of it, because. <laughs>
pulled by the steering wheel and that gets you into drive mode. <laughs> and then when you want to get out of it, you know, I'm thinking, now there is a, a little button on the steering column and it says start stop. Well, is that an emergency start stop? Um, I think it's redundant. I'm not quite sure why that's there, to be perfectly honest. Um, well, so, I was banging on it, man. I was banging. And finally, it said, the car said goodbye. And I thought, oh, thank God. So I went in. So then I went and I got in the car again. But this time, I didn't get a chance to touch anything. And it started up. And I went, oh. So I drove it home. Uh, got out. The minute I got out of the car, it said goodbye. So I thought, what a great feature. You don't have to fumble around in the dark looking for the start stop button. I thought what a, a an amazing what an amazing feature. Um but yeah, you almost got a phone call. But you know how us little car guys are. We don't call unless it's the last last resort. Yeah, I think I think the one thing about this this car and I said, you know, we, we normally we do a press, you know, media drive event and you can explain, you know, in a media drive event, all the little quirks of a vehicle to, to everybody in one place, but um, it's been, you know, person by person. And, you know, sometimes we've had people who've had the car and they're complaining about something. And then sometimes we have, we have people who haven't been in the car, but they don't know what question to ask. So um, we're basically, you know, I think we'll be going away from that. Once everybody's vaccinated and things turn turn back to normal, we'll be doing if not full-on drive events, we'll be doing regional events, um, and that way we can, you know, explain some of the quirks that you have with some of the cars that I think all manufacturers have, to be honest. Absolutely. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm just telling you folks, if you've got need for a five-passenger SUV where you want to carry a lot of gear in the back, whether it be groceries or sporting against, the uh, ID4 has to be on your list of electric vehicles to look at. Now, I, I do have a, a Bosch home uh, charger, which I've had for ever since you and I met out at, well, we didn't meet at that time, but it was the Golf E. And I went ahead and got a uh, the Bosch system. I've had it ever since that car came out. It's outside. I keep it covered, but it works, you know, perfectly. Uh, the charge-up time on this car was minimal, uh, I never ran it totally, you know, out. I, you know, I and I could get it charged back up to 100, percent you know, like within a couple of hours, depending with with my system. And the other thing I want to applaud you with, and this may sound silly, but the ease of plugging it in and unplugging it. Now that may sound to you like, what is he talking about? But I've had some electric vehicles. You have to close the door. You have to make sure it's in park. You know, you have to do all these things. And sometimes you can't even get the, the, the cable out unless you either unlock. <laughs> Yours was a piece of cake. Just plugged it in, plugged it out. The light light lit up, told you that you were connected and you were ready for charge. You know, the simplicity, I think, and, and I know some media people say it's a little, you know, getting into the technology and the dash and everything is a little bit of a challenge if you're not aware of it. But, again, it's like anything. After you've owned the car a while, you either self-learn or you take a run down to the Volkswagen dealer and one of the professionals down there will be more than happy to sit down with you and go over the vehicle, even if they, even though they explained it to you at the beginning. All right, folks, welcome back. You are listening to FM 96.1 AM 1170, The Answer. Segment brought to you by Hot Rods and Custom Stuff. 
Go to HotRodsCustomStuff.com for all your hot rod needs. And if you're looking for a good repair shop, West Escondido Auto and Trans, four locations, go to WestAutomotiveGroup.com. And if you're in East County and you're looking for a good propane provider, Dave and his gang, they only service East County, so go to SD-Propane.com and they can hook you up. And last but not least, Express Auto Service, Dave and Connie, family-owned and operated. They work on all my hot rods at 7633 El Cajon Boulevard, Express Auto Service, LaMesa.com. We got Kristen Barclay on the line. And I just got to tell you, I uh, hooked up with uh, Focus Daily News. And what a great uh, periodical. And I couldn't believe that story with the uh, the police officer's uh, daughter who got busted. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, no comment. <laughs> it happens everywhere. And I think that supervisor should be the one that should be reprimanded, not the two police officers that did as she said. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there and let you know I am reading your paper. Hey, no, it's great. I uh, love to see that you're on the subscription list and, uh, you know, that, that you're, you're staying in the know. And, like, you know, it's interesting. It's kind of cool that you found uh, an article interesting, even though you're thousands of miles away. Oh, I, um, I, I, I found more than one of them, really, uh, uh, actually. But that one just really stood out. I mean, and that was – and I have to tell you, that was very, very well reported. Uh, and you could tell the community – looks up to that that newspaper because they reached out to you with information where you didn't have to go hound them. So that's a sign of a good publication and job well done. Yeah, Rita got a lot of exclusives on that. You know, she was just saying that we kind of have thankless jobs, that uh, we get a lot of criticism because oh, yeah. we never make everybody happy, and we don't get a lot of uh, pats on the back. So I'm going to make sure to pass that along. Yeah, you tell uh, her she did a great, that. she did a great, great job. I and, and I enjoyed reading the article, and I enjoyed the questions that she she proposed. And uh, she really, she didn't, uh, she could have hit a lot of stuff, but she told the story the way it is. But I just had to say that because that's the way I am. <laughs> hey, we appreciate it. You know, like I said, uh, all feedback is welcome because we can always improve. But uh, uh, it's it's just like when you go out to eat. Yep. I think it's so important that when you have a really good server yeah. um, or a really good meal that you bring it to their attention because most of the time management's always hearing complaints. And yeah. So, um, so yeah, it goes a long ways. Talking about, like, um, you know, feedback, um, talk about that 2021 Mazda 3 sedan that uh, that I just got out of. Um, I was kind of disappointed I didn't have the hatchback because, you know, the Mazda 3, oh, it's either hatchback or sedan. Yeah. Um, and I like the hatchback more, which is – yeah. Surprising to me because I'm not like a hatchback fan in general. Um, but I think the, the hatchback uses the space better mm-hmm. in the Mazda 3. You've got like a lot more cargo room. Um, it's it's funny. To, we went to a local event in DeSoto. They did a uh, an In-N-Out thing, which, you know, In-N-Out's not that big in Texas, but they did a – In-N-Out has mobile kitchens. Right. And they did a Veterans Appreciation Day. So Marlon and I – loaded up some uh, plastic boxes that we need to take to the office and went to the scent. And I was having trouble getting stuff in the trunk. So I ended up going to the back seat and I used every bit of the car. And so when I was putting stuff into the back seat, I said, no, there's not a lot of room back here for passengers. Um, and so, you know, kind of had to remind myself again, the Mazda three, you know, it's, it's not for, it's not like a family vehicle. It's not made for, 
two adults and two kids. And right. It's more of a vehicle, you know, for a single person or, or just a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, but just reminded me, though, that the hatchback is roomier in the cargo area. Plenty of power, though, and kind of fun to drive. Um, I was in the Turbo Premium, and for what you get, uh, price tag on this one was thirty three eight ninety. dollars mm-hmm. um, had 227 horsepower. Because not only does it have that, it's it's paired with 10 pound feet of torque. I shouldn't say paired with the output. Um, and so it's it's got some pick up, get up and go. Some some scuff marks on the highway if you wanted to. Not that I did, because <laughs> I didn't. Did. Uh, not that I did. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's you know Mazda. They we've always talked about the reputation where they're fun to drive. Um, I like my Mazdas with a manual. Um, oh, yeah. not have that, you know, automatic transmission. And that's probably another reason that I like the hatchbacks. Cause typically when you get a Mazda three hatchback, it's got the manual. Right. Um, so I'm sure that that's, that's part of what I did. You know, a lot of safety technology on this, like every, no matter what trim, um, every Mazda three has frontal collision mitigation. It has adaptive cruise control. It's got the lane keep assist, the automatic high beams. Um, and then I've noticed a trend where most new vehicles now are also coming with this drowsy driver monitor mm-hmm. where I guess the vehicle has that technology that kind of notices, hey, you know what, you're, uh, maybe you're, you're sliding lanes a little bit or you're just not driving consistently. Your, your foot keeps coming off the accelerator, so maybe you're sleepy, so it has a warning for that as well. Um, the only thing is sometimes technology can, tends to be a little glitchy, and my son was like, Mom, you're driving kind of crazy what's going on it kept telling me that i was leaving the lane when i wasn't and right. so it would kind of do like a harsh pullback oh and i Hunter hate thought that it was me no and that's... I know, and thought it was me he was no, like what no 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 doing and i'm like no it's the car so i got a really um, cute i got a cute story so a buddy of mine does a, a fix it show on saturday mornings here at kcbq and this little old lady called in and she says i need to know how to turn off that device that says that I need to pull over and get a cup of coffee. And he goes, why? <laughs> he says, because I went to the doctor, and the doctor says, your caffeine level is insane. And she told the doctor, she says, well, but it's because my car keeps telling me to stop and get a cup of coffee. And every time it would come on the dash, she would go to a, a convenience store and get a cup of coffee. Oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. Is that hilarious? <laughs> Well, and, you, and you know what? So so for me, because I have that marketing advertising background, all I can think of is like, man, if Starbucks had sponsored this, right? Oh. So like instead of saying like, just get a cup of coffee, like get a Starbucks. I know. Up, especially like with an offer. Can you imagine? I know. Hey, now you were just in an Acura, weren't you? Not too long ago. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. I had nothing but trouble with that thing jerking me to either to the left or the right. And I talked to a couple of owners and they said, yeah, it does it for us too. It's like it's a ghost. It sees things that you and I don't see. And I think that's just part of, you know, the growing pains of that device. I think the Acura brand has the most aggressive um, autonomous driving technology. And, of course, it's not fully autonomous, but, you know, they've got those. If you if you read all the automotive stuff, they've got what they're they're phasing it in. Right. Right. Part of the phase. And theirs is one of the most aggressive. And, you know, it's. It's so faulty um, because it's not, it's based on radar and it it doesn't know the difference between a plastic bag, which is harmless and an actual vehicle. And so, you know, I, I had an Acura, I was driving uh, on Houston on on the highway, everybody's doing 70 
and a um, cardboard box, flat cardboard box. And we're not talking big. We're talking like a like a six-pack of beer box uh-huh. was flat. And it was coming across the highway. And the car fully applied the brakes, and I had an 18-wheeler behind me. Ooh. And fortunately, I knew there was no one on my left. I was in the middle of lanes, like four lanes across. There was nobody on my left. I knew there was nobody on my left. I knew the guy was behind me. And I veered to the left and kind of brought it off on the little bit of shoulder that was there um, and was able to kind of override it, but scared the Uh, car out of me. I know. I had the same thing. Oh, my goodness. Here's a question for you, because I don't know the answer to this. When it does that, do your brake lights come on? You know, that is a, you know, I've asked that question uh, many a times to the manufacturers and I'd say eight out of ten had no idea. Yeah, because because when it's doing that, I mean, you know, like I said, fortunately I was able to – I knew what was on my left. I was able to react quickly. I don't know that a lot of people would do that, especially if it's a new vehicle and they're not used to that technology. So, that, you know, the, the guy who's behind me, that 18-wheeler, he wouldn't have been able to move without causing a wreck. He wouldn't have been able to slam on his brakes and completely stop because the load he had on him. Oh. But did he even know what was going on? Well, Brian just texted me, and he said yes – when that when that does that evasive uh, maneuver, the brake lights do come on. Okay, good. So that's good to know. That's you know, real good if, to if know. It's a Honda, if it's a Honda behind me, if it's a Hyundai, if it's a yeah. Mazda, if it's whatever, and they're paying attention, they should be able to react and stop. But not a semi. But not a semi, no. No. <laughs> Just and you, you know, I mean, and, and the thing is, like, this technology is going to continue to get refined, and I'm sure it'll get better, but it's only as good as this radar. It's only as good as, like, if you're in a, on a new um, highway, if you're on a highway where the lanes, the lines have been newly painted, or they're under construction and they haven't painted the new lines yet, you're just dealing with those little reflectors, the vehicle can't tell. It's it's not able to realize, and so, you know, a lot of times it'll move you between lanes or whatever, and mm-hmm. it's just something you've got to be aware of. Boy, you sure do. And that buddy of mine that bought the car, he even said the same thing. He says, man, he says, now that we know, I mean, we have to be alert because we just never know when it's going to kick in. So, But, you know, speaking of the Mazda, I'm in a Miata right now. What a hoot to drive. That little guy is a pocket rocket. But I'm a big hatch person myself. I love hatches uh, just for the storage factor. Yeah, and, and all Mazda products are a blast to drive. I mean, they, they have are. some of the best driving dynamics, especially for the price point. Yep. I mean, the next level would be BMW, but, you know, huge jump in price point. Sure. Um, so, yeah, they're fun to drive, and they go forever. Um, I mean, forever and ever and ever. I know people who've had Mazdas for years, and they still have them. And, uh, yeah, they're just they're, they're great vehicles. Right. Um, 33, 890, three trim levels. This was the... Uh, the Turbo Premium Plus, but you can get in um, a 2.0, a 2.5S, and then and then this model. So lots to choose from. And then you can move up. So, I mean, if you're not, if you need something bigger. Yeah. You can. It's not a problem at all. No. Yeah. So um, I do, I, you know, I do wish, though, I, a lot of manufacturers are going away from it. They, they don't have the touchscreen in the Mazda. I know. You know, you've got, I like their little knob for the infotainment don't and i know sometimes you're in a hurry and you just want to be able to you're at a traffic signal the light's not going to be red long and you just want to change the station or whatever and you can't do it um it, it, I, so many manufacturers are getting away from the knobs and i don't know i, I i'm not i'm on the fence i don't know if it's good or i think it's terrible i love to have my knob and i tried to change the clock on this miata and i went to the screen and it wouldn't let me change the clock so i don't know what's going on 
You're in a you're in a Miata. Who needs to know what time it is? Well, I know, but it says four fifty three, <laughs> and I have to be here at noon. That just freaked me right. <laughs> All right, kiddo. Hey, it's keep up, talk. keep up the great work with the paper, and give that reporter some serious accolades because it was informative. It was well read, and she asked the hard questions, which I think was huge. That's awesome. Thanks so much for the feedback. Hey, I'll talk to you next week. All right. Hey, tell her to follow up. I want to find out uh, how that ends up because that's like a soap opera. You got it. We'll let you know. All right, Thanks, Dave. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Brian Armstead, happy, happy dad. Daughter just graduated. He's as bubbly as a, you can imagine, so it's going to be a great interview. We're going to donate it to Eden, his lovely daughter, who's definitely going to make a mark on this country, right here on FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to You Ought to Know, right here on FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. This segment's brought to you by the good folks at Weather Machine, 9303 Bond Avenue, Weather Machine is a great AC and heat company, family-owned and operated. They've been around for quite some time. They have their own in-house machine shop. They can do all the sheet metal work on parts and pieces that are not available on the market anymore. Plus, they'll take care of you just like as if you were family. Weather Machine. Go to weathermach at cox.net or Google them online, and you can find out everything you want to know about them. Also, John's Automotive Care, located at 6267 Riverdale, Napa Auto Care, ASC, cer- ASC certified, Master Techs, can't beat them. Check them out. Go to John's with an S, San Diego Auto Repair.com, two locations. All right, Brian Armstead's rolling in a Maybach 600. Man, I haven't even been in one of those cars yet. Pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, brother, you know how we do it over here on the East Coast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're rollers. That's for sure. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty cool. It, um, you know, uh, I, I'm conflicted, though. I absolutely love the vehicle. Let me, let me be very clear about that. I love the vehicle. But I'm a little confused with how it's named. And I'll just get that out of the way right off the top of the bat so we can dig into all the really good stuff about the vehicle. Okay, so Maybach was a, um, a company acquired by Mercedes-Benz like around 1960, the year I was born. And it was one of those, it's one of those storied German companies that had, you know, a lot of history. They were involved with World War II, but they produced some really cool cars back in the day, like the, their first one, the 1921 Maybach W3, and then the beautiful 1938 Maybach SW38 Cabriolet. I mean, absolutely gorgeous cars. So the Mercedes comes, they buy the brand, and they decide to resurrect the nameplate. And they came out with two individual models in 2002, the Maybach 57 and the Maybach 62. Uh, Wilhelm Maybach was the founder of the company, by the way. He founded the company back in, I believe it was 1909. Yeah, 1909 he founded the company. Um, So, you know, we had the big recession in 2008, Dave, and that was the end of Maybach. I mean, who could afford a $200,000 sedan? You know, that, that basically tanked as soon as you drove it off the lot. And it was worth, uh, you know, $135,000 the day you bought it after you drove it off the lot. So it failed. Uh, it was a terrific car. I had a chance to drive the 57. Really cool driver's car. 
Uh, the 62 had the airlines, the first class type seats in the back. So for 2021, they've taken the GLS uh, SUV lineup, one of several SUVs that are available in the Mercedes-Benz family, including the GLA, GLB, GLC, GLC Coupe, GLE SUV, GLE Coupe, GLS SUV, Mercedes Maybach GLS SUV, and the G-Class. So this is where I'm conflicted. The GLS SUV starts at $76,000. The Mercedes Maybach GLS starts at $16,500. There's one on the consumer website in Silver Spring, not far from me, that's actually listed at $255. Now I don't know how they got to $255 because my test Mercedes Maybach uh, was $16,500 retail price, which is the same one you see on the consumer website, Mercedes-Benz MBUSA.com. Uh, and then the retail price is $165,850, which includes Obligatory and requisite champagne boot holders in the rear console, Dave Stahl. Mm -hmm. The uh, $800 option, the refrigerated compartment, main shield, $1,100. Folding tables in the back, $1,800. A destination and delivery, $1,500. Uh, $1,050, pardon me, and a, a beautiful wood steering wheel, $600. Bucks. So I don't know how they got it up to $255, <laughs> unless this is just a, a, just a really bad example of uh, pandemic pricing gone awry. Um, so, you know, the Maybach is, is a large and in-charge vehicle. It's got a very exclusive grill. But you, you get inside, you, you look at the front, and it says Maybach on the front grill, and then there's a three-pointed star right above it. Then it says Maybach on the wheels, and then you go to the rear uh, D-pillar, and there's a Maybach logo on the back of the, uh, on the each side on the D-pillar which is just where the hatch, um, you know, is. Mm -hmm. Then you go to the back of the vehicle, and it says Mercedes, My, no, it says Maybach on the left side, and then it says GLS 600 on the right side. And you get inside, and you've got a Maybach digital console with the Maybach logo, you know, the uh, speedometer, tachometer display, rather. Mm -hmm. And then the steering wheel has a Mercedes logo, and then the center console has a Maybach logo, then the rear seats have the Maybach logo. So it's like, is it a Maybach? <laughs> or, is, you know, it's just, it's just, it's conflicting. I, I don't get where they're going with that. Yeah. But that doesn't detract at any at all from the fact that um, on the road, it's large and charged. Now, my car had the four seat option. So, you, you, you know, your rear seat passengers are ensconced with this beautiful wood, metal, and leather surround. Aircraft style, again, first-class seating. You can fully recline the seats. you got pillows to support your back or your butt or whatever. You have a leg uh, uh, thigh supports, leg supports. You have a, a Mybox Samsung screen in the center to control all those features back there. Again, refrigerator, champagne, fold-down fold picnic tables. Really the lap of luxury. Beautiful LED lighting inside. Um it's just a really nice car to drive, Dave. Now, I live in a neighborhood where people go flying up and down the street at ridiculous. You know, it's a small street. It's an urban neighborhood, suburban neighborhood, rather. And, you know, there are a lot of children, um, you know, who, who are playing in the streets. But it seems like the reason are the ones that come flying up and down the streets. The street next to me, I, w I wish I had speed bumps on my street, but the street next to me does have speed bumps. And I went over, I was trying to get somewhere in a hurry, and I went over the speed bump a little bit faster than I should have because, hey, it's a big Mercedes, I know it can handle it. Mm -hmm. Dave, 
They've got a system called e-active body control. Not only do you not feel the speed bump, the car stays level the whole time. These are some pretty significant, you know, arches in the road here. These are not little lumps. These wow. are these are humps. These are huge speed bumps. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, what did I just experience there? So I turned around and did it again. <laughs> And I did it. At, I did it at five miles an hour, and at five miles an hour, it went up. The car pointed to the sky, came down like a normal, like it normally would go over the speed bump. So I went over it again at twenty miles an hour. It was like there was nothing in the road. So I did some research. E-Active Body Control is a forty-eight volt system that uses sensors and, and uh, actuators at each of the four wheels, and you can select different modes. And you can actually select a mode where it just like it's almost like going off road but you're, you're on a paved highway. Hmm. So you can, you know, because this has formatic, permanent formatic all-wheel drive, uh, you literally can, you can go off-road at 50 miles an hour, and it's like, you know, you're driving on a sand dune in Saudi Arabia instead of the outback in Australia somewhere where it's just choppy and the roads are rutted. It's a phenomenal system, and I, I was able to demonstrate it to a couple of friends, and they were like, you got to be kidding me. So... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's available in the base GLE LS as well, but uh, the fact that I had a chance to experience it with the uh, the um, GLE 600 Maybach uh, was interesting. And another thing, the uh, my Monroney label, which indicates all the pricing information, does not say Maybach anywhere on the Monroney. Really? But I know it's one because it has a yeah. It, does, it just says 2021 GLS 600 formatic, and it doesn't say Maybach anything in um, on the sheet. And my car was also equipped with power running boards, and they're not listed here on the um, Monroney anywhere. So just a little confusion, um, you know, with the nomenclature, but it doesn't mean it's not a terrific vehicle. It's got all of the safety acronyms that you would want, like adaptive high beam assist, active blind spot assist, active brake assist with cross-traffic function. Distronic, which is my favorite. I have it on my SL. You set the cruise control, it keeps the distance like a self-driving feature, mm -hmm. uh, but you do have to keep your hands on the wheel. Active lane-keeping assist, active speed limit assist, active stop-and-go assist, active steering assist, and active lane change assist. And if I were to break down what each one of those do, uh, does, I'd be on the uh, show with you for another hour or so. Trust and believe, all of these systems uh, co-mingle to give you the ultimate safety experience. Mercedes has always been known for safety, that hasn't gone anywhere as a, as cars get more technical. And I, I heard, um, you know, uh, with much chagrin about the cardboard boxes that, that mm -hmm. uh, Kristen experienced. What kind of car was that? Was it a Honda? Yeah, it was a Mazda. A Mazda, okay. I was in an Audi one time on a, a highway leading to uh, Chesapeake Bay, uh, Route 50 near my home. And the car just stopped in the middle of the road for no reason. There was nothing in front of me. Wow. There was no... No birds, no pets, no dogs, no deer, no trash, no nothing. It just slammed on the brakes in the middle of the road. And, he t and you know, again, had there been somebody behind me, you know, it doesn't take much to get whacked at. You can call, have a whole lot of whole lot of damage to your vehicle. So, yeah. well, I had um, it happen. Had it, it yeah. did it to me in an Acura, you know, in the MDX. Yeah. Uh, and then I talked to a buddy of mine who I'm just bought it. one, and he says, "Yeah," he says. We ran into it, too. You know, it's happened to us a couple of times. I am not a fan of self-driving or no, autonomous no, no, technology. No, 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 no. I, do like, I do like the Distronic, but I don't use cruise control that often. No, I don't either. But people but need to learn nice. 
how to drive the darn car. That's the way I look at it. Good Lord. Well, yeah. And, you know, now now we're going to have, you know, we're going to be listening to e-books and, and watching Oprah while we drive down the road. Not me. And uh, I just think it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's crazy. Yeah. But any, at any rate, back to uh, the Mercedes Maybach GLS 600. Really nice vehicle. 16500 165 out the door with some significant, um, you know, and Tommy options. You got to have a fridge in the back of your mind. Oh, of course. Day. I mean, this is just, come on. You know, that's $2,000 for the fridge and the flutes. That's well spent. Yeah. But uh, well done. You can check them out at MBUSA. More there. I'm off to uh, Round Hill, Virginia tomorrow. It's just a two hour drive cool. to uh, test drive the new Volkswagen Taos. I know oh, you've driven it already. Oh, you're going to – I'll be interested. In, we'll talk about it next week. I'll be interested to hear what you think. That, that's that's the plan, man. All right, buddy. And I appreciate that sh- I appreciate that shout-out for my daughter. Uh, uh, as you as you know, I had a rough week. I started yeah. the week with um, pneumonia, middle of the week. Um, her graduation was actually Wednesday, and then my niece got married yesterday in, in Newport News, Rhode Island. Wow. And um, just just uh, a nice way to, to wrap up things yeah. with a lot of success with the younger members of the family. You got a beautiful daughter there, my friend. Thank you, brother. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris, for the board work, and I'll talk to you next week. Dave. All right, cool. Talk to you later. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk Michelin tires right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170. Yes. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to You Ought to Know right here on FM 96.1. AM 1170, The Answer. is brought to you by Convoy Auto Service. Go to ConvoyAutoRepair.com. Nap Auto Care, ASC certified, Master Tech. Can't beat them. Bumper Doc Kearney Mace is there as well. Scratches, dings, and dents. How could you beat it? Hey, I talked to Eric Schmetting, product category manager for Michelin Tire the other day. You need to listen to this interview when you get ready to buy tires. All right. Hey, folks, guess what? I'm out at Thermal uh, Club. And I got the Michelin man with me. No, he doesn't weigh 300 pounds. This is Eric Schmetting. How you doing, Eric? We haven't seen you since Kia in the snow. That's right. Yeah, it's quite a bit different between snow and 100 degrees out in the desert. So, so I got to ask you from uh, yeah, because all Michelin does is tires. I mean, you guys eat, sleep, and drink tires. I get it. But when a car manufacturer comes to you and says, "We want you to design a tire for us," what are the questions you ask the manufacturer? So we get a detailed list of specifications. So the first thing we do is I'll look at that, look at the performances they're looking for, and right off the bat, we'll we'll direct them to certain tire lines because sometimes manufacturers will say they want one thing, and then when you look on paper, what they really want is something else. So that's the first step is to, to get them in the right lane in terms of what tire line we, we choose. Uh, and then from there, it be, uh, becomes a, a balancing act of, of tuning to meet their specific requirements, whatever that vehicle may be. So how many engineers do you have to make happy to make this tire? Because, you know, I'm sure they've you've given them a tire and say, okay, here's what you want. And they come back, oh, no, that, that's not even close. But how many engineers do you have to make happy? Oh, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's a lot. And you never make everybody happy all the time. You know how that works. But, um, yeah, the way it typically works is... Uh, you know, we'll submit, uh, say, four different flavors of a tire. We'll tune them all different ways, and uh, we'll, we'll let the OEMs test them out. And they'll, they'll test them all, and they'll look at them and say, yeah, I liked uh, I liked tire A a lot, but uh, I think B was a little quieter, and I liked the braking on C. And then we take all that information, go back to our engineers uh, in South Carolina, and do it all over again and run another loop. And typically for most OEM programs, it's usually two to three loops. Uh, sometimes we get it right on the first shot. 
Um, but but usually, even if they really love the tire, uh, it's just the, the nature of the beast where they always ask for a little more. So. Well, of course. I mean, you know, it's like you know, you're 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 getting a custom suit made, <laughs> exactly. and you may have made fifty thousand suits, but that one guy or girl, I mean, they're looking for something totally different. So, so you, gosh, I'm amazed that you could do it, uh, or, you know, as, as an average in three attempts. Yeah, and it, it depends on on the type of program. I mean, certain vehicles may take a little more, but I would say on average, three attempts is what we what we try to stick with. So, and then you have to have that balancing act between performance and longevity. How many people buy a performance tire and they get 12,000 miles out of it because they've been autocrossing and they go, well, well wait, wait, it didn't last more than 12,000. Yeah, yeah, that's, what, that's one thing we have to be careful with is people that, uh, that they, sometimes there's, there's a certain segment out there that they're going to check every box uh, when they order a vehicle uh, because they want the best, and uh, it's really important to understand, you know, that they understand exactly what they're getting into, uh, whether it's a really track-focused tire versus uh, a touring tire versus a regular all-season. Um, but we, you know, at, at Michelin, we are very careful. We have a, what we call our, you know, our balance of performance. So uh, even uh, you know, for things like treadwear, um, oftentimes, in fact, in almost every case, our own internal requirements for a minimum amount of treadwear exceeds what uh, a manufacturer may ask for so we keep that in mind we're trying to please not only the uh, the oem which is our customer but also the end consumer as well in, in terms of what they what they value well and that that brings up a point so a consumer let's say he's got a what he would consider a performance car let's just use a miata for example okay so is there a place he can go to michelin.com is there a, T, a, a, a Q&A segment? Is there a technical where he can go to him and say, hey, I drive this Miata MX-5. This is what I do with it. What tire would you recommend? Yeah, so if you visit michelinman.com, um, you enter your vehicle in there, and it'll list, a, um, you know, a, 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 it'll return a list of all the tires that will fit that vehicle and then prioritize them in that order. And we actually have a selector on there. You, you base your driving style off it, and we'll make certain recommendations based on your driving habits. So that helps if you tell the truth. <laughs> yes, it does. And some people, yeah, they um, <laughs> they, fudge they, they fudge a little bit, and everybody thinks they're a little better driver than they really are. But um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, somebody in Southern California versus somebody in uh, in Quebec may have different different needs, and uh, we try to tailor our, our solutions for that. Right, and 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 that's the challenge, especially for somebody that's maybe never bought a performance tire before. You know, they've never even gone near it, but they, you know, they've you know got the midlife crisis. They decide to get a a performance car, and then they see maybe a price tag, and they go, "Oh my goodness, that's too expensive. I got to go." I had a friend of mine; he had a Corvette, a twenty two thousand, went to a tire shop and bought the cheapest tires in the world. Never compl- I've never heard him complain so much, and I just told him, "Junk those." what was a hundred dollars a tire he paid yeah you, you you get what you pay for and and we talk about tuning tires to to vehicles and, and a corvette's a classic example yeah. where where those tires were developed hand in hand with general motors and corvette and uh, to deliver the maximum performance and you put something else on and it, it totally changes the dynamics of the vehicle and the, the experience is going to be completely different and you're absolutely right because i've i've never i've never bought a cheap tire i i've refused to buy a cheap tire because you just like you said, you get exactly what you pay for. And even though I drive on the street more than I drive on the track, a performance tire is an enhancement for street driving as much, if not more, than track driving. 
Oh, absolutely. It, uh, you know, even, even if you're on the street, you still have a certain level of, uh, you know, on center feel and the way that way, the, the way your inputs, uh, to the steering wheel and the way it reacts, all of that, um, all of that is affected by the tire. And, uh, you know, another thing too, that people need to consider, depending on what, what part of the country you live in, you know, a summer versus all season tire, uh, people think, well, all seasons automatically gonna be better in, in wet conditions. And that's not really the case. It's really more has to do with the operating temperature of, of where you're at. Um, so if you're in a really warm environment, even if you have some rain, um, a summer tire will, will do excellent. In fact, it'll outperform in all season in a lot of conditions. Um, I guess the exception would be when you, we start to get into the really track-oriented tires, and they're almost like race slicks. Obviously, you have to be careful in the wet on those. But a normal summer high-performance tire um, is, is excellent in wet conditions. Well, and, and that's what I was going to say as well. And the other thing, and it almost sounds like I'm teaching but tire pressure is critical. You know, if you will ignore your tire pressure, you, not only are you going to destroy a good set of tires, but you're not going to like the way it drives. Yeah, exactly. And that's something you need to keep an eye on. And, and thankfully now with, with TPMS and vehicles, it's, it's, it's easier to, uh, to find out when you go wrong. But, uh, you know, people ask what, you know, what I should set my, my tire pressure to. And we always recommend really look on the inside of your driver's door jam is the, the placard tire pressure the oems set that and the tire or the tires and the vehicle were tuned around operating at those uh, pressures that's the, the best thing to do some people will look at the sidewall and they'll see the maximum pressure on the sidewall and say well i you know i need to put it at 51 psi uh, d don't do that follow what's recommended on the inside of the door jam but that makes a big big difference in the way the way the car handles and the other thing too is it evolves so with temperature you know air expands and contracts so that 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 pressure is going to go up and down and even over time you know we, we try to make tires as airtight as possible but there's still a certain minute level of leakage either through the tire or through the wheel itself um, so you need to keep an eye on it and maintain that pressure well I, i'm probably one of the crazier people out there because when i take a press car i like to put it on the tires I want to look at all four tires and see how they're doing. And you literally, depending on how far you drive, you'll see the tire pressure go up, and then it'll go down. It'll move. It all four tires are changing constantly. Constantly changing, especially today in you know an environment like uh, you know a warm day, and we're out on a track thermal club. Um, when you start really pushing those tires, it really heats them up, and you can really see an evolution in, in the pressure. So sometimes on a day like today, you know, after a, a session on the track, you'll look at the pressures, and if you're going to go out immediately again while the, they're still hot, you're going to want to bleed them down a little bit because they actually get they get too too much pressure built up in them. Right. So another, uh, I get this question all the time. All right, I bought a car. It's got uh, it's got nitrogen in the tires. You know, can I put regular air in, and is there really a benefit to nitrogen? So nitrogen is very good. I mean, there's no drawbacks to using nitrogen, but I would argue, you know, maintaining the proper pressure is by far the most important thing. So if you have nitrogen in your tires and you notice that you're running kind of low and you're, you know, you pull up and you only have regular air to put in and you're, eh, I don't know if I should do that. I don't want to mix them. Mix them. Put. Yeah, I mean, the, the air we breathe is mostly nitrogen anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the key is to maintain the the, the, the proper pressure. Um, nitrogen by itself, though, I mean, it, it's excellent. There's really no drawbacks. Um, it's very dry, which is probably one of the, the the key features of it. It does have a slightly lower leak rate. You know, I talked yeah. about it. So 
it's, it's very good but in the event that you need to add air um, please don't bypass uh, the the air pump at your gas station if you're running a little low um, you know make sure you maintain that proper pressure and, and I don't know about the rest of the United States but I know in California it's a law that you know you can go to any repair shop any gas station that has service and they will not only check your tire pressure but they'll also top it off for you as well yeah that's that's uh that's actually a very good practice because uh you know a lot of people they don't think about tires until something goes wrong um so yeah it's it's very important to maintain that that proper pressure absolutely i got i got my tv gig by doing a positive story on ford and firestone with their tire problem and i told them the biggest problem wasn't the tire and it wasn't the vehicle it was air pressure People drove those vehicles six months. Almost every vehicle that ever got in an accident or rolled over had been on the road six to seven, maybe eight months. Tire pressure got down about 20 pounds. You make it a, a you know a reactive turn, lose control, and you're upside down. Yep, exactly. That's a, that's a. In fact, that was kind of the whole uh, whole evolution of uh, putting TPMS in car evolved from from that 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 scenario. Um, so it's it's very important that that yeah you maintain the right pressure.